Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this episode is about mentoring, specifically with the Danvers sisters, both as mentors and as mentees. So we're going to look at the people who have influenced them as role models and more active mentors and the ways that they have become mentors and leaders in their own right. Yeah, so this felt like a really good topic to do in light of the rest of season five coming up. And also because we actually have seen a lot of growth for both Kara and Alex as characters who started out very much still learning from other people and who've really now both in their own ways come into their own and taken on multiple kinds of leadership roles and are in the place of now being looked to by other people. So good leadership skills and mentoring skills tend to go hand in hand because they require a lot of the same personal qualities. And a person who is good at maybe teaching other people tends to then be a good leader because they recognize potential in others. They have a clear vision, not just for themselves and where they want to go, but where they want like their whole organization or the people around them to go as well. And they can bring that out by providing learning experiences and being communicative in ways that help other people and elevate them. So one of the major kind of principles there is that a good mentor is capable of giving you bad news or critical feedback, but then helping you grow out of it or grow past it. But they also will give you good news and then help you see how to go beyond it and go to the next level instead of just kind of resting where you are. Mm. So it's not the kind of criticism that we see from certain characters throughout the series, like the Luthers or Cat's mother, for example. Mm -hmm. But it's also not just meaningless praise like, yeah, you did great um, (laughs) with no further feedback. And it's especially important for young people and also for people from marginalized groups. So the more likely you are to have a mentor, the more likely you are to overcome setbacks and to succeed and to grow and continue to develop your skills. And in Supergirl, a show which is very much about the maturation of Kara as a superhero and as Kara Danvers, and we also see that paralleled in the other characters, it makes sense for there to be a heavy element of mentoring across the characters. So let's take a look at what that looks like in the show. So in terms of the show, there's been this deliberate setup of both Kara and Alex as kind of going through the same life issues season to season in parallel with each other. Like, Maybe one of them will make more progress in one season than another. Maybe one of them will regress a little bit at different paces than the other. But ever since the start of the show, they've always had these very similar relationships and growth experiences. And in terms of learning how to be leaders and finding role models who will help kind of teach them, that was a very big part of season one for both Kara and Alex. So... Obviously, there's Kara working with Kat at Catco, which we'll talk about a lot (laughs) in a minute. But first, also, let's just address Alex and Jean, because that relationship dynamic is the foundation for the Space Fam trio that we still have in the show today. And the relationship Kara develops with Jean later builds on that foundation that he has with Alex in season one. It does. They're sort of the first established mentor-mentee dynamic that we have in the show. Mm. 
But then we do get a flashback in season one to the beginning of that dynamic when Alex is spiraling and lands herself in jail. And she makes some poor choices. <laughs> yes. And Jean comes to collect her and takes her to the DEO. I mean, he doesn't literally take her like right at that moment. <laughs> and, and lures her to the DEO. <laughs> no, but we get the context for the fact that Jean has made this promise to Jeremiah that he's going to check in on Kara and Alex, that he's going to look out for them. Mm-hmm. And we see in season one these bits of Alex's past where she's aware of the fact that he was there kind of coming to help her when she needed it. And we've also gotten context further in later seasons in flashbacks of Jean approaching Kara, maybe not as himself, but still also making good on that promise. Mm-hmm. But looking specifically at that foundation with Jean and Alex, it's Jean having a really good read on what Alex's problem is in a way that the rest of her family at that point doesn't, and giving her the space to regroup and rebuild her confidence in herself, and also giving her tools to help protect Kara, which is the thing that she wants to do, even if she's not always happy about it, (laughs) in a way that gives her control over the situation. Yeah. And it's different from the advice that he gives Kara in that flashback that you mentioned in Midvale in season three, which was like, maybe don't jump into being a superhero. So it's interesting to see him seeing that they need different things. Well, and also at different times, because Kara, at the point when he approaches her, is still a 10th grader. Yeah, but then in season one, Jean was pretty resistant to her coming out as Supergirl. That's true. Which is also based in maybe his own fears about being an alien himself. Yeah, but also, too, it's related to the fact that season one was very rooted in like all the Fort Ross enemies that would come right after Kara. But yeah, to your point about how Jean maybe differentiates between what Alex or Kara needs... That's kind of one of the hallmarks of being a good mentor and supervising someone well. And we see this a lot in season one in his working relationship with Alex. He's really good about supervising her without making it obvious that that's what he's doing. Partially because he can kind of cheat and check in mentally and she doesn't know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which we do see him do a couple of times when she's about to get herself into mortal peril, Mm. if you will. But specifically, he gives her the tools that she needs in order to feel competent and he gives her room to grow in her role at the DEO and get a lot of satisfaction out of mastering the skills that she's learning. For example, he says that she'll be allowed to do field work, which is the part where she gets to go fight and protect people. But he also says she can't do it until she can beat him, (laughs) kind of putting himself as the final bar to her being allowed to do it so that he can be sure that she's ready, that she won't get hurt, but also making it feel like it's something really good for her, like as an emotional boost to get his approval. Hmm. And then we also see throughout season one and then going forward from there that he progressively gives her more responsibility. He lets her start taking lead on stuff. She becomes the acting director when he's temporarily kidnapped by the Kryptonians in season one. Mm -hmm. And he's also really good about touching base with her when he's not sure about a decision that she's made without putting her in a position where it's embarrassing or like he's calling her authority into question in front of the people they're leading, which is really important because that builds a sense of trust and a sense of camaraderie 
camaraderie there, which very clearly Alex feels because when Cadmus comes for Jean, she's like, absolutely not. <laughs> he saved my life. I will go down with the ship. Um, <laughs> and she very much values all of the things that he's given to her emotionally and practically. That said, despite all of the positives in that relationship, John does occasionally make some missteps, much like we talked about in our Danvers Family podcast. Eliza made some missteps. Mm-hmm. John's specific issue is that he will ask Alex to lie when it's not the right decision and when she's not comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And because of the very close relationship they have and because of the respect that she has for him, she'll do it without questioning him and then kind of is carrying this emotional burden (laughs) that's messing up other parts of her life. But she doesn't want to disappoint him because that's Alex. And so she doesn't speak up, at least not until we see her saying later in season one, after Astra's death, like, wait a minute, no, I know Kara better than you do and I need to be honest with her. Mm -hmm. And she has a similar reaction when Jean kind of tells her to hold back in season three when Kara's depressed and Alex is like, excuse me. I'm the expert here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Kara expert. Yeah. But it makes a lot of sense for Jean in terms of his character, like, and as a mentor to have maybe more like interpersonal dynamics be a bigger hurdle for him to understand or to impart wisdom about. Like, obviously, we've seen him help Kara and Alex in terms of interpersonal relationships. And he had that lovely couple of scenes with Monel in season three, giving him advice about Kara, which was rooted in his marriage and his experiences as a husband and as a father. But he is most likely to make like missteps in terms of those interpersonal dynamics. And Alex and Kara are more likely to be the ones to guide him a little bit in that sense. And it makes sense for him as a character because, as we've talked about before, of that period between when he had his happy family on Mars. And when he gained a family in the Danvers sisters, he was more secluded and not in a good place emotionally and traumatized and on the run and suspicious of people. So that's an area where Jean as a person has grown over the seasons. So then kind of in parallel to this growing mentor-mentee dynamic between Jean and Alex throughout season one, we have Carr's relationship with Kat that starts out as being very not <laughs> a mentor relationship. Yeah. Very early on in the season, Kara's working for Kat. Kat asks her to do something. She does it. There's not a lot of exchange. There's not a lot of necessarily advice going through their conversations. But it becomes more collaborative over time, specifically after Kara starts to open up about herself and make herself more vulnerable to Kat. And that in turn makes Kat see her for who she is and be more honest in response response and more willing to offer guidance and be supportive in a way that she previously hadn't been, especially after the day that Kara finally snaps at her for being mean. Mm -hmm. But the relationship with Kara and Kat is really interesting, too, because Kat is mentoring Kara in two very different facets of her life Mm -hmm. at first without realizing it. And then she does realize it and just humors Kara. (laughs) Well, that's personal growth for her compared to season one, putting her in an uncomfortable position with regard 
to her secret identity. Yeah. So the first hints we see of what this mentorship could be are Kat indirectly giving Kara advice about being Supergirl. Her take as a journalist, her publications talking about what Kara's doing in that facet of her life are not all totally rosy. Like, yeah, Kat's excited at first because it's something to write about. But when there's feedback, to be given. She doesn't shy away from giving it. And Kara, at this point, is no longer afraid of asking questions because Supergirl is something so dear to her. And so it gives Kara the room to ask for suggestions by saying, like, well, if Supergirl was here, what would you tell her to do? (laughs) You know, kind of like sometimes you're supposed to ask personal questions in health class with, like, so my friend says, (laughs) (laughs) someone I know. And Kat's first piece of advice is actually funny because it's a little bit reminiscent of things that both fake Jean and Eliza tried to tell Kara (laughs) in her youth, which is to slow down Mm -hmm. and stop trying to undertake too many things before she's ready. But this time, because it's coming from Kat, who Kara's worked for and Kara respects her judgment... And who will push Kara and Supergirl to achieve. Yeah, well, but more to the point, like, it's not her mom. Um, (laughs) Well, she knows that Kat wants her to be extraordinary also. That's true. Yeah. And so she's willing to take the advice when it's coming from this avenue as opposed to maybe from her family. Mm -hmm. Because there it's just like, ugh, you guys keep trying (laughs) to, like, slow me down. It's not there. (laughs) But Kara does take that advice of kind of learning how to focus on one thing at a time until she's mastered an individual skill and then start adding more so she doesn't overextend herself. It's actually kind of the same kind of scaffolding that Jean provided for Alex, Hmm. only he was like right there. (laughs) Whereas Kara's operating by herself and kind of just getting indirect feedback (laughs) and then trying to guess what to do next. Uh Um, But the other thing that makes this mentor-mentee relationship cool is that Kara seeking advice actually opens up cat to growth as well. Mm -hmm. And that's the sign of someone who is a good leader and a good mentor because they will recognize that there are things they can learn as well. Kind of like Jean learning from Alex and Cara about interpersonal things. Yes, it is true. Um, You have Kat's really great line talking about how if she could legally adopt Supergirl, she would (laughs) because Supergirl has given her so much professionally but also as she discloses in an interview she gives during season one, she feels like they're peers, like they have a good understanding of each other in some way. Mm-hmm. And we also see that Kara's attitude as Supergirl changes Kat's outlook on how she runs her business. Very early on in the season, there's a moment where she's deciding on how to pitch the tone of a bunch of stories. And she says, no, I want it to be uplifting. I want to talk about the good things people are doing instead of being negative. She encourages people to help each other to during the earthquake in Human for a Day when Supergirl is absent because Kara has no powers. And she also, interestingly, sticks up for Kara as Supergirl when her former mentee, Leslie Willis, who becomes Livewire, says lots of really critical things about her. She calls Leslie out. She says, you know, this is a very young woman who's in a vulnerable place. You're mature. You should know better than to do this. And then she says later in the episode that that was how she used to be as a person. And that is why Leslie then became the way she did. And recognizing that there is, as Kara likes to say, a better way 
to do things. Yeah, which ties back to the idea you mentioned of constant criticism not being effective. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> the other really interesting thing that we see as time goes on in that relationship with Kat and Kara is that Kat starts giving Kara more personal kinds of advice. She kind of helps Kara feel better about the tension in her family after Thanksgiving by using her own points of reference as both a mom and a daughter and saying like, look, these kind of relationship dynamics are hard. There's going to be ups and downs, but it's okay. She talks about her own professional experiences and frames them in a way to give Kara something to learn from, particularly talking about what it's like to be a woman in male-dominated professions. Mm -hmm. She clues Kara in to the fact that people like her <laughs> much the way her family does. Yeah, so Kat serves to sort of prod Kara to excel and push a little bit further, but in a healthy way, wherein she will tackle one thing at a time and learn how to handle different aspects of her life before advancing. And then she provides her the opportunity to advance as her mentor by pushing her in the direction of reporting. So Kat ultimately serves as kind of like Eliza, a counterweight to the expectations that Kara feels because of what Alora told her when she sent her to Earth and because of, you know, Kryptonian values and how she was brought up there in learning, you know, how to be a hero the right way. Yeah. One of the biggest issues with Kara, which we kind of alluded to already with her wanting to rush, if you will, is that she has this sense that she should already be good at stuff. Yeah, we saw in Midvale how she wanted to immediately join Clark off in superheroing, which kind of gives you a clue into her headspace that like she thinks she would be able to do that. <laughs> and obviously, as we've talked about in season one, she felt like she needed to be good at superheroing already, which makes sense if she's thought that she should be doing this since she was like 13. <laughs> and then that extends like into her mindset with reporting, which takes us to discussing Kara's Kryptonian role models of Allure. Astra, Cal to a degree, and then sometimes Zoral is mentioned. Um, <laughs> oh, the dads in this show. <laughs> there can be only one. There is only Space Dad. <laughs> and we know that Kara feels the weight of this loss of Kryptonian role models and obviously the loss of the opportunity to also be a role model for Cal, who was initially supposed to be, you know, a baby when she <laughs> arrived on Earth. And throughout season one and in season two a bit, and throughout the series generally, each Kryptonian role model has been sort of a disappointment for Kara, which makes sense because she left Krypton when she was 13 years old. And there was no sort of natural progression into realizing that the people she idolized were just ordinary people. So she had to reconcile a kind of picture-perfect version of these Kryptonian role models, including Superman, with the disappointments, some of them quite vast, <laughs> that she <laughs> learned about later on as an adult. And so throughout the season, she's had to sort of learn from those disappointments and, and grow beyond them, starting with dealing with Allura's failures with the Fort Ross aliens and also with lying about Astra. And then obviously her interaction with Astra, she had to deal with who her aunt had become and who she didn't realize that she had been before. And with Allura and Astra and Kat and Eliza, um, <laughs> mother figures are quite instrumental in Kara's life. But in terms of a fairly instrumental kind of missed opportunity for mentoring in a male role model, we have Clark, who in season one primarily appeared as texts and <laughs> like a little bit of a cape <laughs> and his red boots. 
And as we talk about a lot in the podcast, Kara was asked when she was 13 to go to Earth to look after Cal. And she says, I won't fail Kal-El or you, kind of making a promise about that. And then she comes to Earth and Clark is already like, quote unquote, extraordinary. And he is sort of emblematic of what she would want to become to make her parents proud. So there's this strange dynamic of like, I was supposed to be there for you to tell you about Krypton and and help make your life easier and be a role model for you and impart Kryptonian values upon you. And then you're standing here and I kind of want you to guide me because you are an excellent example of what extraordinary should be. But Clark ends up not really being around. So he's sort of a role model for her, but definitely not an active mentor by any means. Mm. And we can tell that he's not really active in her life based upon, I don't know, maybe even just in the pilot episode, her exchange with James and how she's like, so what's he like? <laughs> and you're like, oh, Kara, why doesn't your cousin visit you? And in Midvale, in the flashback when she's in high school, she kind of dumps it, all this information upon her classmates because she is this huge fan of Superman in a way that kind of goes beyond my older cousin and implies some distance in terms of fan versus having an actual interpersonal relationship. Mm. More parasocial than it maybe should be. <laughs> yeah. Poor Kara. <laughs> yeah. And then in season one, when Kara is becoming Supergirl or a superhero fully fledged, Clark saves her and then immediately gets out of there <laughs> before she wakes up. So what she's getting is kind of the not fun parts of someone being more experienced than you and helping you out where you feel like maybe embarrassed about it and then also not getting the nice parts of like interaction and having a relationship with that person. Mm. And Car is already insecure, like we talked about, about thinking she needs to do the hero thing right away perfectly. And then the person that she feels like she let down in a way and failed to mentor appears Superman. And then Kara has this kind of nice progression of being dissatisfied because Superman had to save her early on in season one. And then she ends up saving him because he is too human brained <laughs> to withstand Myriad. And it's up to her to save the world. And this sort of fulfills the prediction that Alex had when she said, your story is just starting and someday you're going to be the one saving him. Wow, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that satisfying growth for Kara, but she's still missing that more substantial connection with Clark because he never stays around for long. <laughs> And then in season two, Superman is actually able to appear. <laughs> the show gets the rights to have Superman on screen. <laughs> and Kara gets the right to interact with him, finally. And we'll talk a bit more about Kara and Clark with relation to mentoring in season two. But first, we should set the scene for the development of Kara and Alex with regard to mentoring in season two. Yeah, so Kara in particular, season two is about her struggling to cope with change and doing debatably well. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Or not. Um, <laughs> also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the first big thing that we have as a change is the fact that Kat is leaving Catco, which was a situation that the show had to explain away because the series relocated to Canada and Calista mm -hmm. Flockhart did not want to live there full time. Um, <laughs> but they essentially had to come up with something for Kara to kind of fill the void of this mentorship that was so critical to her success in season one and so important to her both personally and professionally in her life as Kara Danvers as well. And so 
We have Kara agreeing to undertake a new role as a reporter, and then she gets the rug pulled out from under her a little bit and finds out that Kat won't be there for her to go to for advice, and she's got to deal with Snapper, who she immediately gets off on the wrong foot with by pointing out that Kat let her pick that job, and he kind of sees her as a little bit entitled and trying to skip the steps and the hard work that she needs to put in in order to earn the right to publish good stories. And so Kara's in a little bit of a difficult place because of all of this. Yes. In a conversation with Alex, she kind of lists some of the various things that are changing all at once. At the time, she was like, turns out I'm not a reporter. (laughs) And she talked about how Kat was leaving and Clark was leaving too. Mm. I get the sense that she had kind of hoped he would stick around a little bit longer, be more active part of her life. And the way that Kara copes is that she tries to sort of reestablish what she has lost in assorted ways. And we've talked about how a Kara who's too wrapped up in the past is not typically a very healthy Kara and making choices based upon that headspace typically doesn't go well. And so Kara ends up seeing elements of Clark in Monel, who appears in a pod, and ends up sort of interacting with Snapper in the way she interacts with Kat and kind of expecting him to be more like her. And then, as we've talked about before, Kara sees Alex in Lena and the mistakes that she made with that relationship. She transfers onto Lena, and it's an issue for her <laughs> this season in particular. Yeah, Kara, sometimes she will misread new people and they their situations because she's operating based on her own expectations from her life or from how other people she already knows have reacted and is maybe not seeing the situation in front of her 100% for what it is. And we had seen this a bit even early on in season one and it just snowballs a bit in season two because all of the really foundational relationships in her life are in this state of flux. Mm. For example, thinking to season one, when she interferes on Kat's behalf with her son, she says, like, family's worth it. Hmm. And in that situation, it turns out to be true. But then you see her give similar advice to Lena in season two without taking into consideration that Lena's whole family is sociopaths who (laughs) have emotionally abused her and suggesting that she go put herself in the position to be vulnerable to those people again is maybe not the right choice. Mm -hmm. She takes sort of the lessons that she's learned with her interpersonal relationships and the struggles that she has faced and then kind of tries to take wisdom out of that and then apply it to new situations without always recognizing, and particularly in season two, where things are different yeah. than her own experiences and with than the people that she's interacted with before. Well, and I think that also, in a way, sets up her disappointment with Clark, which we'll talk about again. Yeah. So Kara in season two becomes a more adultier adult <laughs> as a reporter and taking on that job as opposed to her assistant position, which was more about supporting Kat in her endeavors. Now she's kind of on her own more. And as we mentioned, Cat is leaving and Snapper is not nice <laughs> in his way of imparting uh, wisdom to Kara. But like Kat would indulge Kara's assertiveness or kind of sidestepping of rules in a way that Snapper does not care for. Yeah. And it's also because Kara built up to that with Kat. Yeah. And had a whole foundation there. And she kind of has to start over with Snapper and it might not end the same way. And so, you know, in situations where like Kara breaks the rules, Snapper fires her. 
I guess, multiple <laughs> times. And Kat would not have because they have more of a rapport and like have the same values and same goals in a way that Snapper just does not Kat. <laughs> well, and Kat also sees a little bit of something of herself in Kara that makes her willing to be patient or maybe more reflective or understanding. Mm. Whereas Snapper is not given a very good first impression and just basically is like Kara needs to work harder to show him that she deserves the respect. Yeah. And she wants to shortcut and just have the respect. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I just went through this with Kat. <laughs> <laughs> she trusts me. Why can't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, that is sort of what happens where like she agreed that I can have this job. Why don't you agree with her? <laughs> True. And then kind of in the midst of all of this, Clark descends from the sky <laughs> to help Kara with one of her very first stories as a journalist. And it's super key, exciting for her. And it's a thing they get to do together. And suddenly now she's feeling a whole lot better about all this change that's happening because there's somebody familiar who maybe now is willing to guide her through it because they're on more of a peer level with each other. Yeah. She kind of gets the experience that she probably had always envisioned with Clark, you know, superheroing and working together and bonding as cousins. And then Clark is leaving again. Clark's like, JK, I was only here for the weekend. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Clark hopes the same way she copes with all the other things in this season. She tries to get that thing she lost back in following him to Metropolis. And she says that they could protect the city and keep each other safe. And then she also says, and there's still so much I want to learn from him. So she's definitely still missing, you know, after all of these years, his presence in her life as a guiding force or someone who could impart what he has learned from his experiences onto her. And then Alex is like, so does he understand that he abandoned you with us? Uh, do you? And she provides a bit of a reality check for Kara. And, you know, there's always this like kind of looming idea that Kara would have taken care of him, whereas Clark was not willing to take care of Kara. And we'll talk more about that idea. But then Clark leaves. She decides not to go to Metropolis. But meanwhile, this man in a pod has showed up and she gets the opportunity to become a mentor herself with mixed results. <laughs> yeah, Kara, in this process of losing her mentor figures, kind of decides to inspire other people like she's ready now. And she thinks she's ready, but... <laughs> Not necessarily true. She's actually going against one of the big pieces of advice Kat gave to her in the sense that she's trying to undertake too many things all at the same time. She's making a transition in her professional life at CatCo. She's still kind of getting her bearings as a superhero. And then she decides she's also going to become a mentor to Monel. And she's also going to date him. <laughs> <laughs> She's also going to get involved in a romantic relationship, and she's also going to become Lena's best friend and keep her from going down the dark side with her family. Uh-huh. <laughs> all at once. Yes. She can juggle all of these things with no emotional support whatsoever because she's now also trying to not rely on Alex. It's fine. <sighs> <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. So season two is messy, not just because it was a structural mess, but some of it was intentional. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. For instance, how Kara saw Manel as a way to make up for her relationship with Kalel in two aspects. One, in Kale not being there for her to mentor her. And she says to Manel that when he wakes up, she'll be there for him so that he never knows what it's like to be alone. And then earlier on in the episode, she says about herself and going to Metropolis to be with Clark that this is about me not feeling alone anymore. And Alex is in the background like, hello, I'm still here. <laughs> Yes, uh, but particularly in a Kryptonian way, you know, and those shared experiences. And then also, too, this is a way to make up for her not being there to mentor Cal. And she says to Monel, I was sent to protect my cousin to teach him to keep him safe. And I never got to fulfill that purpose. So in a weird way, helping you, it gives me another chance to do that. So she's definitely interpreting Monel in a way that is perhaps not accurate to who he is as a person and what that relationship would more naturally become. She tries to sort of push him into a role that he is not quite suited for at <laughs> the stage. Yeah, she actually tries to make him like a mini version of her. Mm -hmm. She gives him her wardrobe, semi-preppy. She even gives him disguise glasses, even though he doesn't need them because he doesn't have supervision that needs dampening the way she does. Yeah. She gets him a job interning at Catco so that they can be twinsies together. <laughs> And he's not a superhero yet. She just kind of assumes that <laughs> that he's going to want to be. Uh -huh. Yeah, because that was something that she's always wanted to do with Clark. And also because that is where her moral compass lies. And so obviously, <laughs> if you have powers, you should use them because with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, what? Marvel is coming for me. Uh, <laughs> and that aspect of like getting Monel to like everything that she likes is something that she missed out on with Clark and like teaching him about Kryptonian culture and like all the stuff that she liked. But you know, Alex says that that's not what I did with you <laughs> when you came to Earth. And then because they end up dating, there's a sort of weird power and emotional labor imbalance in their relationship because because they are mm -hmm. in this mentor-mentee dynamic. And the imbalance is fine if you are, like, not dating each other. <laughs> yeah, because there you're supposed to be on more equal footing. And yet Kara's like, no, I'm teaching you things. And it just gets weird. Yeah. And, like, Kara's trying to get Monel to care about people. And <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like that meme. I don't know how to tell you that you should care about other people. Exactly. Meanwhile, Monel is so bad at advice that it's a running joke that they bring up in season three when he's better at it. <laughs> she says, your advice actually makes sense now, which is just a reflection upon the fact that Monel didn't have a lot to offer for a romantic relationship because of the place that he was in in his life and the role that Kara was playing in that dynamic. But mentor-mentee dynamics not working out isn't limited to romantic relationships. Sometimes it can be questionable with friendships or just not work out well as we've seen progress throughout the seasons with Lena. In season three, actually, Lena reflects upon the dynamic between herself and Supergirl when she says, ever since I came here, she's been an inspiration to me. She's been a mentor. And most importantly, she's been a friend. And in season two, Kara gives these like encouraging speeches to Lena that have, if you look at it that way, kind of a mentory vibe to them when she says... In episode eight of season two, you are not like your mother. She is cold and dangerous, and you are too good and too smart to follow in her path. Be your own hero. And the too good and too smart 
part particularly felt like just a very mentory thing to say something about it. Yeah, kind of acknowledging Lena's strengths and encouraging her to embrace them and not do things the way she might have otherwise been inclined to. Yeah. But Cora, as is this theme for season two, saw this relationship on her end as a way to make up for her relationship with Alex and the perceived failing and not giving Alex enough emotional space in their relationship and the space to express herself and the space to discuss her problems and deal with them. So then Lena gets all of the emotional space and <laughs> they don't really talk about Cara's problems except in passing. And none for Cara Danvers, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and this results in a dynamic where they just don't get equal value out of their friendship. And it's been that way for several seasons now. And it's interesting to see, you know, both of these relationship dynamics of like Kara trying to help someone to become the best version of themselves and guide them and maybe not getting equal value out of the dynamic in season two, because Lena and Monel do have some similarities. They both had xenophobic parents with extremely questionable morals and actions. They were both wealthy. They both have lashed out similarly at Kara when they felt judged. Mm. With Lena in season two, she said, you wear that symbol on your chest and everyone thinks you're good. And Monel said in season two, you fly around rescuing people like you're just pure of heart, which kind of reflects their struggle with the values that Kara is trying to push onto them. And then they both eventually put Kara on a pedestal. We see almost literally with Lena and the giant <laughs> Supergirl statue. Uh, almost literally. She <laughs> built a giant statue of her and put it in the town square. Oh. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> and then we have Monel, who created the Legion of Superheroes based on Kara and her values. But definitely it's the Legion of Supergirl. It's Legion of Supergirl. As evidenced by the fact that all of Monel's friends are super excited <laughs> to find out that Kara is alive and get yeah. to talk to her. So clearly he talked about Kara in a way that uplifted all of her positive qualities, maybe to excess, so that they would see them as ideals to follow. And both Lena and Monel serve as lessons for the viewers <laughs> and for Kara that you can't make someone accept your guidance. Yeah, and that's the biggest difference between Kara attempting to mentor other people in season two and the mentorships that we saw for Kara and Alex in season one. They were both very much looking for people to give them guidance and there was a mutual sense of respect and appreciation there. Whereas here sometimes it's Kara's doing a lot of giving and sometimes isn't getting anything back out of it, but also sometimes she's doing giving when it's not wanted. Hmm. Uh, and we also see, as we'll talk about, Kara mentoring Nia is a very different situation. But with Manel, he changed a lot for the better over the course of season two, but he ultimately became the best version of himself with distance from Kara. He went to the future and had responsibility and Kara wasn't around. Well, he had time to really think on his own and decide for himself which of the values that Kara possessed were things he appreciated, which things he could draw strength from what manners of, of approaching being a hero or a leader were effective or valuable in a way that maybe he couldn't have done if she was still right there all the time because he would constantly be looking to her mm. to take charge instead of taking charge on his own. Yeah. Well, also the biggest, you know, issue in their relationship, the thing that Kara was most upset about with Manel's decisions was how he would choose Kara over the greater good. And with Kara not around, Mono had space to grow and be able to make decisions 
not based around his love for Kara. Mm, yeah. And then we have kind of a situation where Kara's planting a seed, maybe, of an idea, and then Monel lets it grow. And we eventually see him make the decision that he has to go to the future again in season three and let go of Kara. And then we also see like evidence of this idea that you can't make someone accept your guidance with Lena and how she's currently trying to mind control everyone, which goes against everything that Kara has tried to impart upon her and the values that Kara believes in. And sort of the, I guess, test of whether or not someone will accept your guidance or at least accept the values that you've tried to teach them is whether or not when you're not around, they still abide by those values. And we've seen in season five, Kara be stressed out about Feeling like she needs to watch Lena all the time. Yeah. And be like, why didn't you come to me immediately? Because she thinks that she could have fixed it. But the issue is that, is it really working if you have to do all the work? Yeah. And so Kara, on her end, at the end of season two, obviously, she essentially lets down the person she was trying to mentor in that he is sent off in a pod to, she thinks, die. <laughs> Good results. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly her goal of making him feel less alone didn't work out. <laughs> Oh, that's so horrible. <laughs> yeah. And then also her goal of feeling less alone herself and that aspect of how she perceives mentoring failed. And she essentially symbolically repeats the trauma of the past, which was the exact thing that she was trying to heal through this relationship with Mano and feeling like she is making up for her lost opportunities with Clark and just having a piece of her home back. So she loses that instead again. And then we have this bittersweet isn't quite the way to explain it, but moment where she has surpassed her cousin, but the moment feels hollow because what she wanted from that relationship wasn't just to achieve his level of heroism or to become as strong as him or to learn everything that he learns, but to not be alone and to be close to him. And he starts off that conversation by saying, I have to go back <laughs> to Metropolis. Yeah. So going back to our initial explanation of what mentoring is and what it isn't, Clark is actually an example of someone who just gives praise, but doesn't have that eye towards helping Kara grow hmm. and doesn't stick around long enough to maybe also give her more kind of critical feedback on stuff. He appreciates what she can do and how good she is at it, but that's kind of it. Yeah. Like when he when he pieces out to Argo, he's like, yeah, you got this. <laughs> Which <laughs> like, does, yeah, that's yeah. great. But uh, yeah, Kara wants more from him. And, Kara wants know. him to be like, you know, a mom who's nervous about leaving her baby with the babysitter. And it's like the phone number for 911 <laughs> is on the fridge. Here's money for pizza. Here's our contact information. <laughs> yes. like, yeah. It's the root of the issue, which is that Kara wanted Clark to be her mom. <laughs> oh, um, that's sad. It is. But the mentoring dynamics that we see in this season with Kara highlight the importance of mentoring when you have the skills to do so. And Kara's like season two mentoring attempts were turbulent at their best <laughs> and makes me think maybe a 13-year-old raising an infant was probably not a good idea, Alora. <laughs> you, you don't say. <laughs> and But then also that like a Clark who was not prepared to raise a 13-year-old 
instead giving her to people who were prepared and who had open hearts enough to welcome Kara fully into their lives and teach her turned out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it did. Even though we found out repeatedly, Alex Danders was not necessarily always open to some elements of being that role model for Kara. Mm. Now, we do find out in season two, she was genuinely very excited to have a sister, which I get she was an only child until she was nearly 15 years old. Mm. She's old enough to appreciate having a sibling in a way that, you know, like a six or seven year old would really hate. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when Kara is expressing all of her frustration to Alex about how guiding Monel is not going smoothly, <laughs> Alex is like, okay, sit down. It's wisdom time. <laughs> like, uh, they, they like to make each other sit down when it's wisdom time. <laughs> they do. When they're dropping knowledge, you have, you have to sit so you can catch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just because you're Supergirl doesn't mean you don't have to sit. <laughs> but it kind of goes back to the point that Kat said of Kara needing to calm down. Alex also will perceive that and is good at getting Kara to take those moments and kind of check in with herself and recognize what's happening for what it is. Yeah. Like we see in season five with Lena. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Alex, in relation to the people Kara has tried to mentor unsuccessfully, is very interesting. <laughs> right? She goes and threatens them when Kara's not looking. <laughs> but Alex explains she made the same mistake as Kara when she was a teenager. And there were also points in their teens when she resented having to explain lots of things to Kara that it got exhausting having to kind of watch out for her, but that things got better when she accepted that Kara was her own person who needed to have some of her own experiences and make her own choices. And we can see by the point in the Midvale flashback for as much as Alex, in part because she's grieving for her dad, is really kind of tired of dealing with Kara and resentful. And Kara's hurt by that, but also annoyed at Alex. She still will come to Alex when she needs help. Because she knows mm -hmm. Alex will still be able to help her. And that's kind of going back to what you said about, is it really a mentorship? Have you really imparted any useful skills if they disappear the moment you stop looking? Yeah. <laughs> but Alex in season two is in this interesting place because she didn't get a lot of character development outside of like one big thing early on in the season. And it's kind of because of her whole coming out arc that she kind of takes a step back with Kara. And Kara also then recognizes that there needs to be more give and take, kind of like in her relationship in working with Kat, that it can't just be about Kara taking what Kara needs there. And so she's trying to give Alex room to grow in other ways. So we do see Alex's position as a sort of mentor figure for Kara go on the back burner in season two. And we also only get little hints of her previous very close relationship with Jean. That's not super present either, except in Alex's angst over Cadmus hmm. and the fact that her actual father is still alive. Yeah. And then we get the test of who was really her role model and whose advice and whose guidance did she follow in the crux of that storyline, which I think you're going to talk about more. Yeah. But then we have kind of the only big storyline that Alex had for the whole season, which is her coming out arc and her relationship with Maggie, who in some ways 
serves as a little bit of a mentor, sort of. Sort of. And it kind of follows the pattern that we set up here of like how relationships where maybe you should be on more of an even level, but one person is acting more of a mentor may not necessarily work out well, but can serve as a learning experience, certainly. <laughs> Maggie and Alex start out their relationship with Maggie having significantly more like real relationship experience where she was emotionally involved with the other person. Like Alex dated, but not particularly long term that we ever knew. Yeah. And she's also a lesbian. So like presumably she didn't get very emotionally, romantically invested in her relationships with men. And Maggie also had more time as an out lesbian than Alex and was kind of guiding her to realizing that she is a lesbian and then also pushing her to come out to those that she knows will accept her. But then we see like kind of wonky power dynamics and how Maggie is the one setting hard lines in their relationship. Mm. Like when Alex freaked out because Kara was in trouble right when Alex had decided to do something like for herself. Maggie said, you get one, like you get one mistake like that. That's not a way to learn anything. (laughs) Yeah. And Alex is already prone to sacrificing what she wants to keep others happy. And their relationship ends up imbalanced in the sense that Alex is more often trying to figure out what Maggie wants and like keep the relationship intact. However, this relationship did serve to teach Alex to push against that own instinct that she has to instead embrace what she really wants in life and realize that they both have hard lines with regard to a very important aspect of their lives, which is children. So even though it may not have seemed like it as you watched season two, there were actually some parallels happening for Kara and Alex's storylines related to mentorship in terms of either trying to give guidance to other people or receiving guidance. With Kara in particular, you had this early season setup of Clark as her idealized role model, the person who she wants to be the person giving her guidance and spending her time with versus Alex, who is her day-to-day role model, who then naturally is very insulted um, (laughs) by the lack of recognition there. And throughout the season, we see both Kara and Alex trying to reconcile disappointment in people that they've idealized as children who then end up disappointing them Mm. as adults. Particularly because of the distance that they had from these individuals as they grew from adolescence into adulthood. Mm. Yeah. So we have Kara has this idealized vision of Kal in her head and of how that relationship should have played out when she arrived on Earth. But Alex is the one who kind of pushes Kara to recognize his failings in that he abandoned her and that maybe she shouldn't be investing so much emotionally in him because he then disappears after two episodes and never texts her again the whole season. Um, (laughs) Whereas Alex, as we have always known since early in season one, has had this idealized vision of Jeremiah in her head since the time they lost him. And when he returns, Kara is the one who exposes his failings to Alex in that he did abandon them as well in a slightly different way than Clark, but the result was still the same. And then Jeremiah disappears again, never to be mentioned. Yeah. 
<laughs> after the end of his storyline in season two. So, <laughs> And then in terms of like more parallels we have with relation to these mentor figures of Jeremiah and Clark, Kara physically defeats Clark and we find out is more capable of making the hard but right choice to sacrifice a loved one in Monel. And then Alex tactically defeats Cadmus, which is something Jeremiah failed to do. So she also is sort of proving to be more effective than the person she admired. And she did it in a way that was very similar to how she went after Jem in season one <laughs> when he was attacking the DEO by elaborately planning and having lots of firepower. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Classic Alex. <laughs> and then she, Alex, is more capable of making a hard but right choice to put their family at risk for the greater good. When Lillian threatens Jeremiah that she's going to come after the Danvers family if they help the aliens, and Alex is like, we'll handle it, you know? <laughs> yeah. She's like, we're adults. It's fine. Yeah. And Jeremiah wasn't able to make that choice the entire time that he was at Cadmus because that was what they held over his head. So these idealized role models were in this season obstacles for their relationships, both with Clark in the beginning of the season and then with Jeremiah when they had that big blowout in the middle of the season. But then Carr and Alex ultimately realize that they're better together, which is something that they said at the beginning of the season, and stronger than these idealized role models are. Also, interestingly, in terms of Carr and Alex parallels, they both enter romantic relationships with unadvisable mentor-mentee undertones <laughs> yeah. that ultimately do not work out and lead to depression. <laughs> and then, you know, they both go to their mom in season three. <laughs> the ultimate mentor. <laughs> yes, the supreme <laughs> of, of mentors. Yeah. So we're not going to spend too much time talking specifically about Eliza's influence as a mentor figure on Alex or Kara because we have a whole podcast episode <laughs> already about that called mm -hmm. Danvers Family Dynamics. It's our episode 17. We'll put a link to it on our site. But specifically in the early part of season three, when we get to spend time with Kara and Alex and Eliza at the family home in the present day, we get to see how Eliza not only can recognize that Alex needs space to figure things out herself rather than everybody telling her what she should do or how she should feel, but Eliza also reassures Alex and tells her it's okay to go at her own pace and take her time. The other thing we see her do is she approaches Kara differently because Kara <laughs> needs different kinds of prompting sometimes. Uh -huh. But she doesn't necessarily tell Kara what to do either in terms of the way Kara has been handling her depression. She does highlight some of the flaws in Kara's logic, though. She lets Kara set herself up, basically. <laughs> um, she lets Kara talk and then she says, well, but you don't seem okay. You talk a lot about giving other people compassion, but where's your compassion for yourself? Mm -hmm. And just kind of makes gentle suggestions about things Kara maybe could try that she's been resistant to because she doesn't think she deserves it. Yeah. Planting seeds of ideas for Kara to mull over and then grow from. Well, and, and most importantly, again, making suggestions, but leaving it up to Kara to decide if they're right for her and if she wants to follow them. Mm -hmm. Going back again to that point about is there trust there? You know, if you're the person in the mentor position, there comes a point when you have to trust that whatever skills you've imparted or whatever knowledge you've imparted, the other person's absorbed it and they can handle things on their own. 
Yeah. And so with Kara, <laughs> she's dealing with a lot. Yes. Season two, we've set up how she tried to recapture things that she had lost and how that worked out pretty badly for her. And season three is very much about her coming to terms with things not being how she envisioned or how she expected them to be. And the season starts off with her dreaming about Monel and dreaming about her mother. And these are the mentee she just most recently in her mind killed and the mentor she first lost. And then later in the season, she gets both of them back and gets this chance to reestablish what she lost, which was that season two goal. But it's not what she had hoped for when she does get them back. And, you know, we see her goal of helping Manal to become like a better person and a superhero is obviously pretty well realized in how he is a leader now. Then he has these responsibilities that he acquired on his own, though, and their dynamic has shifted. And we see that Manal has something to offer her in terms of wisdom and they're on a more even footing than they were in season two. But he doesn't have that romantic love that he can offer her because of the circumstances. And then she gets Allura back, but then Kara is teaching her her more than anything, culminating in like the finale when she takes Allura's advice regarding Rain and whether or not she should kill her against her better judgment. And that goes pretty terribly. And it's interesting, though, because we see in terms of like a mentor-mentee dynamic that Kara has has some wisdom to offer Allura, but then will not actually stay with her. And so that sense of loneliness will not go away due to her relationship with Allura. Well, and also, it's sort of also connected to to Kara's recognition that Argo isn't home yeah. on some level because any and all advice that Allura gives her, with one exception, Kara's hmm. like, this doesn't really fit. This doesn't make sense with the life I've experienced. It doesn't make sense with who I am as a person in terms of, you know, her being convinced that the witches were up to something. Mm -hmm. And the only piece of advice she does take seriously that Allura gives her is one that Alex also gives her. Yeah, which, you know... It just makes that scene when they briefly meet more potent and like how Alex has served to guide Kara in the way that Alora was not able to. And Kara's so excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, all of these dynamics serve to teach Kara that things may not be the way that she had always wanted them to be, but that that's still okay. And she gives Marin advice with regard to his relationship dynamic with Jean and how that is changing. She says, I know how hard it is when everything we know to be true true changes, but sometimes all we can do is just accept the way things are and make the best of that, which I think is a good summary of season three's lessons in general, and then also a good summary in terms of recognizing the relationships that you have and the wisdom you have to offer and the wisdom other people have to offer for what it is and not trying to make it more than it is or shoehorn it into a dynamic that doesn't match it. <laughs> yes. And then to kind of turn back over to Alex, since we just mentioned her, her relationship with Kara evolves a lot over the course of season three. It becomes less about Alex being in kind of the leadership role in some ways and giving Kara advice to follow and much more of a mutual give and take in the sense that Kara has recognized that she can look out for Alex too and that Alex will trust her to do it. And so the season starts out with Alex kind of checking in with Kara, making sure she's okay after the loss of Monel. And then when Alex breaks up with Maggie, Kara returns the favor. And the two of them are much more on equal footing as a unit for 
kind of the remainder of the season whenever they interact. And that's been true going forward pretty much since that point. But Alex gets to grow a little bit on her own away from her immediate family in season three in that she gets the opportunity to spend a lot of time with Sam's daughter Ruby later on in the season in a way that basically is like a mentor-mentee relationship because she's not filling in as Ruby's mom. That's very obvious. And she's not like a peer. Although Alex does struggle a little bit because Ruby is already like nearly 13 years old with not treating her as like a friend mm-hmm. or maybe sharing too much with her in an emotional way because the only relationship dynamics Alex is really comfortable with are ones where she's the child or like her sister. Um, <laughs> and so that relationship is really, I think, fundamental for Alex going forward from season three because with Ruby, we have someone who sees Alex as a hero in a lot of the same ways Kara sees Alex as a hero, but that Alex doesn't recognize. And Ruby really looks up to Alex as a role model and is excited to hear about like all her cool adventures and that she's this badass and she saved people from a bomb. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't tell Sam about that. (laughs) I mean, Ruby herself was just generally interested in like superheroes and like endangers herself. (laughs) (laughs) She intentionally like walks out into traffic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But when Sam needs the help, Alex is totally ready to step in and she also strikes a really nice balance between being fun in like a permissive kind of way like she lets Ruby dye her hair but she's also serious and she knows when to set limits and not let things go too far like when they confront Ruby's bully Hmm. Uh, (laughs) yeah the other thing that's really interesting is she gives Ruby the space to open up to her emotionally at her own pace the only place where Alex missteps a bit in this dynamic with Ruby is that she opens up a little too far about her own personal problems with Maggie. Like she's talking to someone else's child. They don't necessarily need that information. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's actually one of the most difficult parts of being a mentor or an authority figure in that way is figuring out when it's appropriate to share something so that a child doesn't feel alone versus recognizing like, ooh, this is my baggage and I should not be looking to a child uh-huh. for advice about it. Um, <laughs> but a spot where Alex does really well is in the bullying situation. Hmm. Where Ruby explains that this girl is harassing her because Alex manages to address the problem without getting everybody's parents involved and making it a big deal, but also without implicating Ruby as having told on this kid. And she also leaves the situation open to the other girl to choose to change and behave better. Hmm. It is also hilariously very similar to how Jean showed up at teenage Kara's house masquerading as an FBI agent. And threatened her to behave, Um, (laughs) which I thought was very funny because Alex loves her space dad a lot. (laughs) It just kind of reminds me of how we talk about how Alex and Jean are similar because Alex doesn't know that he did that. (laughs) No, she doesn't. But she was like, what could I do? And like, that was her solution. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The other really big character thing we got for Alex as far as trying to figure out her place as a mentor and potentially also like a parental figure in the future is Alex having to confront her fear of failure and pitting it against her determination to succeed. (laughs) And if the show is not setting us up for Alex eventually adopting an alien child, I will be sad because (laughs) 
in this season three situation with Ruby and Sam tangentially, Alex gets confronted by this huge crisis of like how to help Ruby and provide guidance to her after she finds out that her mom is actually Rain, yeah. this supervillain that's been terrorizing everyone. And she panics. But in that panic, her first thought is to go look for resources and read about how to help kids through trauma mm. and all of these other things. And she recognizes, like, she went through loss of a parent as a teenager, but also very quickly realizes that what works for her isn't going to work for Ruby, especially because the situations are very different. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she also says, like, that she thought, hey, I should be a natural at helping her get through this whole ordeal with her mom, which is Alex having this kind of similar quality as Kara with, like, Mm. I should be good at this (laughs) already. Yes. (laughs) Failure is not an option. (laughs) Well, and then what ultimately gives Alex the reassurance that she can handle it is she goes back and talks to Jean. Yeah. That's always been his role in her life. So that was nice. But it is interesting in terms of their dynamic and how Alex is creeping toward peer level (laughs) over time Mm -hmm. and that Jean is also dealing with weird dynamic with his father and a changing caretaking dynamic and shifting whereas Marin is in the mentor role previously, Jean has to now make these decisions in order to take care of him. Well, and we also know Alex actually has more experience with that than Jean because she talks about her grandmother having had Mm -hmm. memory loss in a similar kind of way. Yeah. And so then they end up collaborating (laughs) in trying to figure out how to help Marin and Ruby. They sort of learn together. And it culminates in their cute little yoga pose scene. (laughs) And this sort of shifting dynamic between Alex and Jean comes just in time for him to kind of promote her. (laughs) Yeah, I really liked that scene in season three of Jean kind of recognizing all the growth Alex has made and reassuring her that it's okay for her to want the things that she wants because that's always been something Alex has struggled with. Yeah. Something I think he possibly understands better than most other characters. Yeah, well, I mean, he initially lured Alex to the DEO because of her relationship with Kara, but he also emphasized how fulfilling it could be for her. So he's always had an eye on that. Yeah, and so... It's really nice because they didn't have a lot of those mentory scenes together, especially in season two, to see him come back in this guiding role there and say, so I know you feel like you can't have all these things at the same time, but I can help you get there. Yes. And (laughs) not only encouraging her emotionally, but being like, so I'm going to just leave and promote you (laughs) because that will put you in a different role where you'll have the flexibility to have the things that you want. Mm -hmm. And Alex, unlike Kara, has a little bit better of a handle on Cat Grant's advice to master one thing at a time because she does not run out and immediately adopt a baby (laughs) and run the DEO. (laughs) Well, it is season three. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) In season three. But as we'll talk about more regarding season four, Alex is doing one thing at a time and Alex is even struggling with just the one thing. So yeah. whereas Kara comes out of season three in a very different place as far as confidence in herself. Kara at the start of season four before all hell breaks loose with the racist people <laughs> uh, <laughs> is actually feeling really confident mm-hmm. and like she can do well and that she is proactively helping society. She's comfortable both as Supergirl and she's feeling like she hit her stride as a journalist. And you see it in her success mentoring Nia that starts out very early on in the season. 
they end up meshing really well, which is part of the reason maybe some of Kara's previous attempts did not work. Yeah. But one of the big things in terms of mentoring is that the relationships tend to be strong when the person who is the mentor sees things that remind them of themselves Hmm. in the person (laughs) they are mentoring. And we have Nia coming in on Kat's recommendation Hmm. and they meet without knowing it. And Kara's first reaction is like, oh, my God, you're me. (laughs) I need to help you. (laughs) (laughs) But she has success with Nia in both identities as a superhero and as a journalist, which is a really nice change because she really struggled with that with Monel in season two. Yeah. And is reflective of kind of the situation she had with Kat, where Kat was mentoring her in both identities. But with Nia and Kara mentoring her, she guides Nia past her fears and like her self-doubt to doing what she wants deep down, as opposed to the situation with Monel, where she was trying to change what Monel wanted. And we also see her be a better mentor to Nia because of her experience that she has had over the years and kind of getting Nia to dial back her more aggressive traits and like <laughs> Gryffindor energy. And Kara experienced the same thing when she was just getting started. But Kara, in terms of experience and how that's important <laughs> if you would like to be a mentor, she emulates the positive parts of Cat being her mentor and kind of leaves out the mean parts. Yes. <laughs> that were pretty prevalent in season one. And we see her give a kind of similar speech to Nia that Kat gave to Kara mm-hmm. when Kara said to Nia, So you're afraid to make waves? Okay, make them anyway. Make a tsunami. Compared to Kat's instruction for Kara to dive in season two, there's that sort of similar metaphor there regarding like water and the fear of it and overcoming it in order to have a better life. And within those same two conversations, Kat said, the trademark chop chop and <laughs> Kara said to Nia TikTok, which James pointed out was very <laughs> cat-like. It was. But it was kind of regarding the same concept of entering the competitive reporting world with kind of confronting Snapper and battling Mackenzie over a story. Although it's funny because Kara says like kick up a storm to <laughs> Nia and Kat's like, show that SOB Snapper what you're made of, <laughs> which is more aggressive. A little bit. <laughs> the other Another big thing we see with Kara as the season progresses is that even though all these outside forces of season four are trying to fragment the space family and Kara from her friends, Mm -hmm. she makes an effort to lean on other people when she runs into trouble, like when she goes to Jean after she gets shot, for example, or asking Brainy and Nia to help her because she can't ask Alex, Hmm. which is emblematic of who Kara is as a hero but is also kind of a sign of her growing comfort with leadership and the feeling that she can ask for help and trust that she'll receive it. Yeah, I thought a nice moment that she had as a mentor, actually, in accepting help with Nia. She said, who's the mentor now when Nia was prepping her for going out on the talk show with Lockwood? And I thought it was a nice moment of sort of recognizing that the person you are mentoring has things that they can offer you, which would only serve to encourage the person you're mentoring to maybe one day reach your level and be more of a peer. So stronger together. (laughs) And then we'll come back to Alex, who had a rough year in season four. (laughs) Oh, Alex. So Alex, this is her first season really being on her own, both in terms of being the leader at the DEO and then narratively she is intentionally isolated in several respects Mm. because of decisions that she and Kara and Jean have all made. 
But when we see her at the start of the season, she is really feeling the pressure of being at the top of the ladder at the <laughs> DEO. Like, Jean's not there anymore to deflect negative attention if they make a bad decision. Like, it's all on her, and <sighs> she's having a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. Um And she then goes from that feeling of being under a lot of pressure to then being scrutinized and watched all the time because Colonel Haley is sent in as oversight. Yeah. And that makes everything worse in some ways. But we also see at the beginning of the season that Alex is trying to handle all of that pressure herself because she thinks that she should. There's a bit of a contrast here with Carr and Alex as mentors and how much help they're initially willing to accept. (laughs) Yes. Alex takes longer to recognize that she needs help. Well, to be Uh, fair, (laughs) Kara has had more trial and error (laughs) with mentorship. This is true. Yeah. Well, and Kara actually, at this point, this is where maybe in terms of them as peers, as siblings, keeping pace with each other, Kara's had a lot more experience being the one in charge, like making decisions herself with nobody to fall back on Hmm. if she's wrong. Because she's now in her fourth year as Supergirl. And while Alex does also make a lot of high stakes decisions at the DEO, she's always had John there as well. But with Alex, the thing that is her strength sometimes becomes her weakness in season four in that her emotions are getting in her way a lot. And it leads to a lot of the difficulties that she runs into in season four. In terms of her and mentoring, she has Brainy, but initially she doesn't see him for himself in the way that Kara in season two really struggled to see both Monel and Lena entirely as themselves. Mm. Because Alex is sad about missing Win, and she's not recognizing that Brainy is different than Win <laughs> and needs a different approach. She's just frustrated that her usual approach is not working. Yeah. She doesn't have a growth mindset, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) She also ends up being the weak link in protecting Kara, even though that's been the thing she's done her entire life, simply because she cannot separate her feelings about Kara, her little sister, from Supergirl enough to deflect scrutiny from somebody who's around her every day and looking for that piece of information. We also see after the mind wipe, She nearly escalates the conflict in Parthas between the aliens and the humans who are on the weird drug thing because she over-identified emotionally with this girl that she saved. Hmm. And it was actually reminiscent of how she escalated the situation and put everybody in danger when they went to go see Julia in season three because she was afraid that something would happen to Kara. And then she also later in the season has her freak out over the adoption thing and (laughs) whether or not she's really prepared for a baby. Yeah. So (laughs) it's a stressful mentoring time. Alex in season four just needed some hugs. Yeah. And really was but wasn't entirely ready to be handling all those things on her own. It was a lot of different things at the same time. It was, yeah, it was too many things all at one time. And much like Kara didn't necessarily bear that weight well in season (laughs) one, Alex in season four is like, I can't handle this. (laughs) Help. (laughs) Except she doesn't directly ask for help, but she gets it. Which is sometimes how these things have to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so it'll be interesting to see after Crisis where they pick up with Alex because they didn't really do a whole lot with giving her a character arc in the front part of season five. No. We did get some interesting stuff for Kara in terms of that missed mentoring opportunity with Clark 
just recently in the Crisis crossover, Kara gave one of her patented hope speeches to Clark. But what was sort of different about it than some other hope speeches was how rooted in her Kryptonian identity it was. And it struck me as perhaps a look at what Kara would have been as a Kryptonian mentor to Clark, and also an opportunity to emulate that missed opportunity and that missed dynamic in an organic way, as opposed to maybe trying to force it in the situations that we have discussed in this podcast episode. And she talks about how Krypton's not just a place, it's a spirit, it's a hope, it's a sacrifice, it's what our parents did for us, it's what you did for Jonathan. And as long as that spirit is alive, Krypton will never die. And that's so something I could hear maybe young Kara, who's looking after Cal, who's growing up, try to impart upon him. And there's a level of peace here with the way things have developed in how she may have missed the chance to teach Cal about Krypton to the degree that she would have liked. But there are stories, celebrations, museum exhibits, and she is obviously more accepting of the way things are than she had been in season two and season three. Well, and also she's having this conversation with Clark on the heels of him having gone to Argo and spent time in the culture. Yeah. And so... I think she recognizes, too, there's a little bit more of a kinship there and that he'll get some of those values now in a way that maybe he didn't appreciate previously and where she felt some disconnect. Yeah. And there's less of a like weight of expectation for her to be everything Kryptonian to him. Yeah. Well, and the other thing related to the crossover, I'm looking forward in a way to seeing what happens in the second half because we've seen Kara really be the leader in this one mm. in a way that's really befitting of all this growth that she's gone through in the past mm. three seasons or so. And we kind of see her not quite as a mentor with Kate, but kind of maybe a role model to a degree in that she is more experienced as a hero. But then Kate also has a lot to offer her in terms of wisdom. <laughs> They're just new superhero besties. It's fine. <laughs> yes. So we've seen Alex and Kara throughout these seasons have relationships with mentors and then turn and become mentors themselves with maybe some initial issues and then growing to become better mentors. So it'll be interesting to see where this theme of mentoring leads in the future and what they might do with it. Yeah. And on that note, we'll be back with our next episode to talk about the conclusion to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm -hmm. And if you want to send us any feedback or questions anticipating the second part of Crisis, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram. Thanks for listening. <laughs>